Welcome to the End Times Chat. Our passion is found in the words of Jesus. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Each week, you will hear news from around the world that will urge you to wake up to these events to make you knowledgeable about what the Bible says about them. Join GJ and Dan in the conversation. So when we landed down here in Mexico, and by the way, I drove, so we didn't actually fly. But when we drove into Mexico, we drove to the earthquake, right to the earthquake. Everything seemed to be going great. And I mean, it's been a great trip. A good friend of mine, Mike from across the street, a neighbor from across the street, we drove down together. He's keeping me company. And um, I have to say that the enemy has been on the attack. And it just actually uh, is apropos that all these technical issues are happening right now, because seriously, the enemy has been on the attack. Massive, uh, just crazy kind of thoughts that the enemy is trying to pop into our heads and our minds and family stuff. And it's been pretty crazy since we've been down here. So uh, I think I mentioned this last time I was in Mexico, that there is in some areas, there's some real massive spiritual warfare that's going on. It's right in the open. There's actually a home that was built back in the 1800s. It's about, I don't know, about 10, 12 miles south of where we are right now. And they call it the, they call it the devil house. That's what they call it. And when we drove by it one time, when I was here last time with Tanya, and yeah, no kidding. That's the things that make you go, what? It's a, it was pretty wild, pretty crazy what was going on down there. So um, that's like, that's the kind of spiritual warfare that we face every single time we come down. And, and it's usually in the thoughts. It's usually in the process of the mind and the battlefield that's raging there. So Anyway, fought through some of that, and I felt like God's uh, been totally with me down here and looking forward to definitely being back home, even though we joke about being down here, but looking forward to being home. So, Phyllis, in, what were you saying before we left? If it's a repeat for everybody, that's all right. We're going to cut the first part out of the show anyway before we go uh, take it onto the, onto the channel. But uh, what, were you, what were you chatting about? What's going on? What's some earth news? Well, before we go there, I just started rolling with the book that I was reading or I read last year, and then I pulled it out this morning at 4.30 a.m., wide awake. <clears throat> I crashed early last night. So um, I start every day off uh, reading, um, typically a devotional. And uh, last year I read this book and I read the Bible from cover to cover. And this book is pretty darn thick, by the way. Yeah. It's a great book. It just, it, there's a lot to it. The book came out last year, and, it, and on page four it says, what happened to the world we once knew? How is it possible that so many things could change so fast and so dramatically? And when and this, this book came out in 2020, early 2020, the thing about it is a lot, of, a lot more stuff has happened since this book came out that I think is even more crazy and more dramatic and more and more expeditiously than what he wrote here in this book. Uh, so I started to touch on that. 
And then uh, we were out, we sent out a search party looking for you, knowing that you were up up on the edge of that earthquake looking down in. So I just figured you fell into it. And I'm like, hey, I guess uh, you're starting, your your uh, stay in heaven, your, your journey to heaven was starting <laughs> a little bit sooner than we thought. But uh, <laughs> so you're back. Uh, so thankfully, because then I was like, I'm gonna have to do the show every week by myself, um, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna have to carry it on my own back. And I that was very scary for me. But before we go any further, <laughs> okay, so you're 12 miles from a house they call it the Devil House, but you didn't say why they call it the Devil House. Oh yeah, the way they designed it, all the architecture. There are demons carved into the wood. There's um, iron, iron demons that are on it. There's pictures of Satan all over it. I mean, just the just the artwork seems like it's a house that came right out of hell. And um, the stonework and the concrete, everything is themed around Satan. So when you go there and you drive by, you just take a look. We didn't even get out of our car because when we drove by it, you could feel that just evil presence that's there almost as if that house has been dedicated to satan himself so um yeah that's why they call it the devil house it's pretty pretty wild and um i definitely don't want to visit it again let's just put it to you that way well to me uh when you invite god into your home god's more than happy to come also if you ask god to leave He's more than happy to leave. He doesn't. He won't be happy, but he will leave. Um, just, yeah. like, just like the evilness. Uh, if you invite them in, uh, they will come. Um, and I've been in places that were, yeah, uh, you could just feel the evilness. And I've been in places where it was just like a dead, dead energy. There was no evil, no, no, you know, nothing good either. Um, that's a whole nother story and not for this show. Um, so moving forward as we stumble along, thanks to Ola over there. <laughs> uh, let's, where do you want to kick it off, man? I mean, you said earth knows, by the way, there's might as well start there, I guess. Yeah. Um, actually, let me, let me back up. Cause, uh, my wife was. God's just been really speaking to her in different ways. And one of the ways that God really uses her is in dreams and visions. And uh, if you remember back, I think it was back in December of last year, I talked about a dream that she had a vision. And in that vision, um, she got a very clear picture in her mind of when the permafrost melts, the boots will begin to march and the evasion will start to happen. So um, if you remember one of our previous episodes that we've done broadcast, we talked about that in Siberia, they were starting to discover different amoebas and bacteria and, and uh, life forms that have been frozen for 10,000 years and that they've never experienced before. So we, and we also know that certain areas of Siberia have actually melted. And that's usually where the permafrost, it's like one of the coldest places in the world where the permafrost melts. So that all happened. And then, uh, and the North starts invading at that point. Well, we see this actually happening right now. And before, this is kind of all part of the vision. 
We see it kind of happening right now with Syria. Russia is very involved with Syria. And um, as a matter of fact, al-Assad, the, the, the leader of Syria, announced he is going to Russia this week. And also China and Russia have now firmly planted themselves in Afghanistan. So they've already started that invasion down, down towards the south, towards where Israel is. Now, this past weekend, my wife called me. Um, she was driving home from work. She goes, Dan, uh, I, I had another vision. And it was of a marble statue. And the marble statue was located in Syria. And this is before we even looked into all the Syria stuff this past weekend. And she said, the head of that statue fell. And when it hit the ground, it split in two. And so she was uh, just kind of saying, hey, what's the significance of marble? Is there any significance? I said, well, the first thing I think of when you talk to me about the head of the marble falling off is that any any marble statue that was ever carved, it's very it's a very weak stone. And some of the extremities and limbs and fingers and hands will fall off over time or when they've been moved because they're so weak. And so if this was in stat and by the way, the statue in marble was of Assad. It was actually a, a statue of him. And so when that head fell, I said, well, the stone is very weak. And it seems to me that um, Syria is going to fall and the leader of Syria is going to be. And this is what Tanya said. She really believes that Assad will be assassinated and that when that happens, the country will split in two. And so, I mean, they've been in a civil war for the last 10 or 11 years. And uh, Russia has backed uh, Assad and the United States and Israel have actually helped some of the rebellion that's inside Syria. So something to keep an eye out on. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I just thought I wanted to start off with that vision that Tanya had because it just seemed so appropriate for what's going on in our world today. So um, so the Earth News, though, that I have uh, are these murder hornets. Have you read this story? The murder hornets up in Washington? Thank you. That was well done. You've been practicing. <laughs> the answer is no. The answer is no. Okay, so I was looking at this story this morning when I was doing some research for the show, and I said, oh, my gosh, this is what I want to talk about. And um, so they've discovered – now, murder hornets at, were something that started over in, in the Asia region. They actually call it the Asia murder hornet, and they discovered them back in the United States, I don't know, several years ago. But they discovered a hive of murder hornets in Washington state. Now, here's the interesting, the interesting thing about it. They found them up in where the Blaine and uh, Whatcom counties are, which is the very, very northwest corner on the border of Canada. I actually spent some time in Blaine County last year, actually the city of Blaine, Washington, last year. And they found these, they found up to 1,500 murder hornets in various stages of development up in Washington. So here's the, here's the connection to the end time. So sometimes in the Bible, uh, the word plague is actually translated into hornets. And hornets are actually a key element in redemption. So these, these murder hornets that we're seeing up in Washington and some parts of the country, they are two, get this, GJ, two inches long two inches long, and their wingspan is three inches wide. I mean, if you see a hornet that size coming at you, I think you're going to be a little startled. Well, You better, call, you better call the air traffic control. <laughs> no kidding. So Revelation 9, 
and everyone can kind of look this up. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but Revelation 9 verses 1 through 12 talks about locusts given the power, like the power of a scorpion on the earth. These murder hornets have a stinger that is 10 millimeters long. So one, centi one centimeter, no, that's 100 millimeters, one, uh, but yeah, 10 millimeters long. And these, there's so many toxins that this murder hornet puts off that it can literally kill a human. And uh, so if anybody reads Revelation chapter nine, you're going to find out about these locusts that they talk about that are given the power to actually sting and people are going to want to die, but they cannot. So uh, just you know, a little interesting thing about Earth News and how it can play into the end time. So what you got? Well, I'm a little taken back. By the way, last week <clears throat> we had a nest of... There was some type of wasp, <clears throat> sort of cross between a yellow jacket and a wasp. So I don't know what they were. Um, and by the way, my dad was a commercial beekeeper my entire life and before I was born. Um, and uh, so I have a little bit of knowledge on bees and wasps and all that, and even hornets. And uh, but I did not know about the murder hornets. Well, so I learned something new today. Um, so what do I got? Well, there's been 45 earthquakes in the last 24 hours. Uh, mm. Had a big one down in Argentina. I think it was six, six point something on the Richter scale. Um, so these big earthquakes still continue to happen. And at a increasing rate, just like what I read, how is it possible that so many things could change so fast and so dramatically? And very rapidly, it continues to happen. So, <clears throat> continuing on with Earth news, there's a pool of water near the Dead Sea, so over in the Middle East, that has turned blood red. And, of course, humans are trying to justify why this happened. And then they're also saying, you know, a biblical proportion Um so you got both sides talking about that. Um, it's just one of those things, things that make you go, hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's going on in Earth News. So signs like this are rare, and they continue to pop up. Again, that's part of this show is that we're looking at the signs, looking at what's going on. And, you know, we talk about perilous times. And in uh, Second Timothy 3.1, Go to Old Faithful. Woo -woo. Hey, hey, hallelujah. <clears throat> so my dad put in here, and for those that are just watching, he's a he was a uh, copious note taker. So in chapter three, this know also that in the last days, perilous times so shall come. We've been talking about perilous times since day one of this show. <clears throat> and then he's he's got notes in the column here it says going on now <laughs> and <laughs> he started using this bible <clears throat> in 1985 and um he he had another bible on his on his nightstand that he had started using uh some years ago so some somewhere between 1985 and probably 10 years ago <clears throat> he wrote those notes so uh, perilous times and it starts out this no also no is a key word there 
And the word no is a translation of the Greek word ganasko. Hopefully I pronounced it correctly. I'm not Greek. <clears throat> Which in this verse means to know something definitely, emphatically, and with absolute certainty. It is also important to know that the tense used here depicts something so urgent that it must be known, must be recognized, and must be acknowledged. So in other words, the Holy Spirit is saying in this verse, <clears throat> and in this entire passage, if you read the whole chapter, that this is something strong and we should be paying attention. So I think we can all agree that we're, we've been in perilous times and it continues to accelerate. So talk to us about this pool. What's what's so important about this? Why, why is it like the most important earth news that we can share with everybody? Dude, I don't know. What? What do I look like, a the theologian? Yes, you do. When I wear these glasses, I do Absolutely. look smarter. I do it's look smarter. I, I have to comfort. I don't know. I'm still stuck on the murder hornets. It's pretty crazy, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's another sign of the God said in the end days, I will show signs. And one of the main things, look up in the sky. Of course, we have plenty of those to talk about every week. Although this week, I don't have any. <clears throat> you probably do because you're an astronomer and the smartest man alive. <laughs> and uh, the blood water, um, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm totally lost. So would you take over, sir? Because obviously, yeah. you know, obviously you know the answer because I don't. Because I got nothing. Oh, my goodness. We're going to get the T-shirt made for you. So I got nothing. In Revelation, one of the one of the things that happens actually with the during the tribulation period and all the stuff that comes on the world is that I think it's a third of the natural of the fresh waters will actually turn to blood. And um and it'll kill off a lot of the life that is in those rivers and in those lakes. So we have to keep in mind, I mean, if this is a phenomenon that you don't normally see. So, of course, scientists are coming in and trying to describe it away and explain what it could be. And we know that God can speak and he could cause a natural phenomenon to happen, right? Or he could speak and it actually turns to blood. But one of the things that we see in Revelation is that you have literal interpretation and figurative interpretation. Figurative interpretation means the writer of Revelation sees it, can only describe it with something that he would know or recognize. So we don't know if it's literal blood or if it's just that it turns red and that's what, and whatever that is, whether it's red allergy or some other uh, phenomenon that God would cause to happen, would actually turn them to blood uh, and what looks like that for the writer of, of Revelation, which is John. So just something, that, it's like you said, it's a sign, something to keep an eye out on. It is earth news that points us to another uh, direction going towards the end times. So well done, GJ, bringing that one up. I, I had forgotten about that one. Well, thank, thank you, and thank you for saving me. Um, thanks for the lifeline. Come on, somebody. Um, here's the other thing. That was shared over 2,000 years ago. There's a sign right there. There is a sign. I mean, God shared all this with us ahead of time. Here's what's going to happen. And a lot of people get freaked out by this and the last days and oh my gosh. 
Think of the worst case. The worst case, you give your life to Jesus, you go to heaven, everything's great, everything's peaceful, <laughs> the best of the best, more than we can imagine. That's worst case. Yeah. Now, worst, worst case is you don't do that, actually, and you spend eternity in hell. And that's that's just too hot for me to handle. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, pun was intended. <laughs> pun was intended. <clears throat> so, uh, moving on. War, rumors of war, or do you got any more earth news? No, no, we we're keeping it to one each, man. We got. Whoa, a, I got whoa, a lot whoa. to share about um, Revelation chapter seventeen and eighteen. Oh my gosh, I thought we were going Jeremiah. Now you're back in Revelation. Oh no, we're going to start in Jeremiah. Don't you worry. Oh my gosh, we we don't have eight hours of time here. Don't you worry, you're pretty head. (laughs) You're like, first of all, thanks for calling it pretty. All right. Yeah, that's that's starting to bother me now. What, you're pretty head? Duh. Oh, okay, just making sure. Wars and rumors of wars. I actually do uh, have one. And Israel, uh, from what I was reading this morning. Oh, my gosh. Take mine. mine. Go ahead. No, it might not be. It might not be. It might because there's a lot going with with Israel right now. So um, Israel continues to pound the Iranian forces in Syria. Now, for those of you who don't know, Iran has been moving forces into Syria because it's close to the border of Israel. And uh, Israel has been keeping a very close eye on those Iranian forces. But not only that, but they've been carrying out strikes on those forces. So it's um, and at the same time, Russia, as we've already talked about at the very beginning, has amassed thousands of troops in Syria. And then when Israel starts to bomb the Iranian forces, it actually puts Russian forces in the crosshairs of those attacks. So. It is an extremely precarious and very fragile relationship between Russia and Israel. Now, we know that that is already, as you mentioned, written 2,000 years ago, if not more, in the Bible about the land from the north, Gog and Magog, that actually comes down from the north and wants to attack and erase Israel off the face of the planet. And there's a lot in the scriptures about that and about what's going to happen during the during that time frame and the Battle of Armageddon, as we call it which is kind of a misnomer, and we can talk about that another day. But um, keep in mind, Russia, Syria, Iran, all considered northern countries mentioned in the, in the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And there is a really great blog post that talks about the connection between, uh, I'm going to post it in the chat for everybody, but if you want to do a little bit more further research, um, this is where you can find it. And it's a blog post that really does a great job going into the relationship between Israel, Russia, and the precarious nature of that relationship. So wars are rumors of wars, all signposts that lead towards the end times. Well, now that I have to pick another one, thank you for clarifying it. doing a great job of bringing that to light. Um, There's (laughs) another one that I, I read about North Korea. And, you know, North Korea is one of those that, you know, it's always... Never really goes away, but nothing like majors happening. Although something's really happening. Yeah. You know, that's the way I see it. So one of one of them is they they got this new missile system so that it can actually 
carry a nuclear system. So now it's like we need to pay attention up to that. So what does that mean? I don't know. But things will make you go, hmm. And we haven't even gotten to that section yet. <laughs> no, no. So anyway, another sign of something that could be something. And again, it could be nothing. It could be. But I mean, it's it's not even about whether it is or it isn't, right? It's just about, hey, we need to stay, we need to stay paying attention to all these things. And these signposts that guys laid out there, of course, he's made it very clear about what's going to happen. Um, and I see that Eric popped in the chat and said that a third of the sea as well. So thank you for that clarification, Eric, and 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 that turning the, those the water turning to blood. Appreciate that. So um, leading up to the tribulation, I thought this was incredible. But that last Monday, we talked about this last Monday about Rosh Hashanah being the the first two days that so of their Jewish New Year. That was last sundown Monday night to Wednesday. So that two-day period where they celebrated that feast of uh, the New Year. Well, Jews were actually allowed to pray Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah services, um, including a Torah scroll, and actually blow a shofar, as was commanded in the scriptures, for maybe the first time ever since Israel became a nation state. And that happened last Monday. And that happened, did that happen on the Temple Mount? It happened on the on the uh, right near the Temple Mount, like, um, and not only that, but there was also a, Jor a Jordanian that was killed in the Six Day War, and Israel allowed him to be buried near that near that area, uh, and they so they actually were praying as well the Rosh Hashanah services. So that was a pretty, I think that's a, a pretty telling thing because when you look at the end times, you know that the Temple Mount will play an incredibly major role. And the Jewish temple is potentially rebuilt. And so that's the kind of thing we need to look out for when these things happen. First time and since Israel's state history that they've actually been able to blow that shofar on the Temple Mount. So uh, things that lead up to the tribulation and make you go, hmm. Another sign. Another sign. Don't worry, we don't have cricks in the neck. No, that's just what we do here. That's right. <laughs> Although I may have to go to the chiropractor after that. Uh, yeah, I felt my neck crack, actually. Yeah, that was a big one. <laughs> All right, and moving on. What you got? Anything? That's it. That's all I got, dude. Oh, man. Well, That's all I got. That's all I got because you're going to dominate. I'm not, we don't have time. You got to go dominate. So all right, you, dominate, dominate. Got it. So... And there's a dog somewhere in an apartment nearby. I thought I escaped dogs from my house, but apparently they're here in Mexico too. So, Cujo follows you, bro. God, I think that was a Chihuahua. Actually, I'm not even sure if that was hey, even a real dog. Hey, hey. that's well, your that's your story. We're we're hey. going with Cujo. So here's what I'm going to do with this next story. Things that make you go, hmm. I'm going to spell the name of the person that we're not supposed to mention because I don't want to get kicked off for mentioning his name. Don't even spell it correctly. I won't, actually. I will spell it. I will spell it. I thank you for that. I appreciate that. I'm going to spell it a different way. So the name S-A-U-R-U-S. Say it in your head, everybody. S-A-U-R-U-S, just like it sounds, has been in the news so much in the last two years. I didn't even know who this person was until two years ago. Apparently, everybody's been know who this guy is. He's a very, very wealthy man. 
buys up a lot of media. And the f- interesting thing that made me go, hmm, mm. is what, thank you, was that the chi- a Chinese media company labeled S-A-U-R-U-S as, quote, the son of Satan, unquote. Among other names that they called him. Whoa. Yes. I think that classifies as the things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, that definitely. I'm actually searching for that right now. Yeah, I can send you the I can send you the story I saw a little bit later. So um Man, if you don't, if you have the things to make you go, hmm, now's the time, man, because otherwise I'm going to blast it out and talk about Jeremiah and Revelation. Yeah, why don't you jump in there, dude, because time is time is moving on. It is. Thank you. So we have 20 minutes, but we're always going to end up making sure that we offer a plan of salvation for everyone. But if you are watching right now, and uh, I would recommend that you get some people on this broadcast to watch this for this last 20 minutes. You're not going to want to miss this. It's probably one of a few part series we're going to be doing over the next several months. Maybe not every single week, but we'll bring it up uh, occasionally throughout the time. But recently, my wife sent me a video um, that I won't mention the name of because I want to get in contact with the author of the book and potentially have them come on and talk with us uh, when we get everything live on the channel. But the it's it's the difference between the literal Babylon, the ancient city of Babylon, and what Revelation calls Mystery Babylon. So if you just take a look and jot this stuff down, and by the way, if somebody can't watch it right now, make sure they watch this broadcast later. But I'm going to put the two chapters in the Bible that we're going to be uh, mentioning, and you guys can read these later. Make sure you study them, because I have a, I really believe it's going to be a major importance for us to know these things going down the line. But let's talk about literal ancient Babylon. So in Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, that's uh, where the prophet Jeremiah talks about ancient Babylon and its destruction. And not only that, Jeremiah says it will never be rebuilt. So remember that. So but in Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 17 and 18, it says this, the Israelites are like sheep that have been scattered by lions. First, the king of Assyria ate them up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon cracked their bones. Therefore, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Now I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, just as I punished the king of Assyria. This And this whole scripture, that scripture right there was fulfilled in the year 478 BC, when Xerxes, who was the Persian king, destroyed it during the reign of Belshazzar. Now, the original city of Babylon was built, just a little history for everybody, was built by someone named Nimrod after the flood of Noah. And if you don't remember, uh, the Tower of Babel was constructed in the original Babylon. So something to note, because remember what happened in the Tower of Babel, they built this tower, everybody spoke the same language, and God said, there's nothing that they can accomplish Uh, if we allow them to have the same language. So he mixed the languages of everyone, and that's the languages that we have today. So um, now back up up to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, if you read about him in the Bible, he's one of the major kings of Babylon that actually brought Babylon into its glory days, into its, I'll say, glory years. And then uh, Babylon declined under the rule of Belshazzar, who came after Nebuchadnezzar. Now, well... What we see in Daniel, 
the, the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel, Daniel actually prophesied against Belshazzar and Babylon. And it wasn't just Daniel. That was the scene that we see in the book of Daniel where God came down, wrote on the wall, and he wrote these, these three things. He wrote mene, and he wrote that word twice, mene, mene, tekel, and parson. So what that means is, mene means God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel means you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. And then Parson, which is also Perez in another language, means your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And as soon as Daniel was able to translate that and make that handwriting known to Belshazzar, that night Belshazzar was assassinated and, it, and then all of Babylon was destroyed and taken over by the Medes and the Persians. So Jeremiah prophesied, like I mentioned, that Babylon would never be rebuilt. And it actually has not been rebuilt. So somebody's like, wait a second. I thought that Saddam Hussein tried to start rebuilding it in the late 1980s. Well, he did try to start rebuilding Babylon and to make it what it was. And he even put up a huge statue of himself. Sound familiar, GJ, with Nebuchadnezzar? A huge statue of himself in the middle of that current day Babylon that he was trying to rebuild. But the first Gulf War happened. And most of us who were alive during that time frame, 1989 and 1991, we remember the visual. I do remember the visual of when they put ropes around the statue of Saddam Hussein and toppled it onto the ground. And that was the end of the rebuilding of Babylon. So here's the interesting thing. So if Jeremiah says that Babylon will never be rebuilt, why then do we see in Revelation chapter 17 and 18, Babylon is mentioned again. Well, let's let's read Revelation chapter 17, uh, verses 1 through 6. It says, One of the seven angels who had poured out the seven bowls came over and spoke to me. This is the this is John. He said, Come with me, and I will show you the judgment that is going to come on the great prostitute who rules over many waters. We're going to come back to that. The king's of their world have committed adultery with her, and the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and ten horns, and blasphemies against God were written all over it. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. In her hand, she held a gold goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. A mysterious name was written on her forehead, and this is what it read. Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. And then the John the Revelator says, I could see that she was drunk, drunk with the blood of God's holy people who were witnesses for Jesus. I stared at her in complete amazement. And that's the end of Revelation 17, 1 through 6. So the question that I have and I wanted to bring up with everyone uh, is, who is Mystery Babylon? Now, we can find it. We don't really know for sure, but we can find a few clues that we that are in the book of Revelation chapter 17. First of all, we want to see that Mystery Babylon is a city. We find that from Revelation 17, verse 18, where it says, and this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. 
JJ, I just have a question for you here. What does that sound like? Where in the world can we find a bunch of world leaders that come and meet together and have a coalition uh, and then dis- and decide on things for the world? Where, where can we find that? The big NYC. NYC. So the United Nations, which I believe is supposed to have a climate change summit sometime this week, is, uh, is the one place in the world that all the leaders will come and speak at some time or another. And they have representatives, they have ambassadors that come and they meet on a, on a normal basis throughout the year. They have different summits that they have in conferences and, and meetings where, and there's been a lot of interesting things happen at the United Nations, which is in New York. So that's the first kind of clue we get. And I'm not saying it is New York. I'm just saying it seems very interesting that it is all, that Mystery Babylon is a city. Now, the second thing I want to mention is that Mystery Babylon presides over a vast international system. We see this in Revelation 17.1, the great prostitute who rules over many waters. The NIV actually says, who sits by many waters. Something to think about here before I read Revelation 17.15 is, is that ancient Babylon is landlocked. So if, if it is among many waters or sits among many waters, you would think that the ancient city of Babylon could not be the new Babylon or mystery Babylon because it's landlocked. There's no waters around it. But when you take it, Revelation 17, 15, it says the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. This city is apparently the headquarters over a vast international system. Again, I want to point to everyone what we just mentioned about where the United Nations sits. Um, it is literally in New York City, where uh, it seems as if the United States over the last hundred or so years has become the greatest world power. And the person who sits in leadership of the United States becomes what they call, or some most people call, the world leader, though, or the leader of the free world. And so here's the last thing, GJ, and this is kind of where... Uh, where things get really interesting. And I wanted to hear your thoughts specifically on everything I just mentioned. So uh, be ready for that if you don't mind. But Whoa, whoa, third... whoa. Tee me up. What's that? Tee me up. All right. Here we go. little message from the sponsor so I can catch my breath. So the number, the third thing, and I have many more that we can talk about out of Revelation 17 18, but we'll save them for another week. That the city that is in Revelation sits on seven hills. We see this in Revelation 17 9. This calls for a mind of wisdom, is what it says. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. Now, I'm going to bring in something that just kind of popped into my head. This is not something I found in an article, but it, the seven hills um, or the seven mountains, as it's called in Revelation 17, 9, reminded me of something that I've heard before about the seven mountains of, um, that we have to overcome. And now Bill Bright, you remember the name Bill Bright, GJ, the guy who found a campus crusade? I do now. Thank you. Yep. You're welcome. He actually developed something that he called the seven mountains of societal influence, which was very curious to me. And I want to read over what they are uh, and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit. Um, the first one is religion. That's the, one of the first mountains that he talks about of societal influence. The second is family. Third is education. Fourth is government. Fifth is media. Sixth is arts and entertainment. And seventh is business. 
when you take a look at even those first four or five, well, let's just talk about all of them. <laughs> you see religion in this world, there will be a one world religion that will have the massive societal influence in the end times. The family has been so denigrated and degraded in our cultures that it's virtually unrecognizable anymore. And, uh, and that's not a slight against people that have mixed families and, um, and broken families and then remended families. That's not a slight against you at all. It's just thank you. matter. Thank you. Yeah, well, I just want that to be said because some people think when we talk like this that it's a bashing. It's really not. It's, well, if it's you just, are bashing, you're bashing me. So thank you. Well, then I'd be bashing myself too because you know, I have my oldest daughter is actually from my, my wife before we were married. So there we go. Um, but the family has been attacked and denigrated and degraded in our societies. Education, we can see right now that there's a massive push to shift education. I believe it was Abraham Lincoln, correct me if I'm wrong, that said the education of today will become the politics of, of 20 years from now, or the politics of tomorrow. So I want to uh, just point out that education is being shifted. Government, we can, we've talked about this for the last several weeks, that government has been uh, a massive uh, issue for many countries. We saw last week that there was a coup that happened in Guinea, Africa. We see that there are three presidents that have been uh, either have been suicided or killed or had heart attacks for whatever reasons. Uh, and they were key. They were key countries that were coming up against a lot of things that were happening. Now we talk about media. Well, we know about media already. We've talked about that a hundred times. We can't mention it here because they'll probably throw us off. Arts and entertainment. If you just take a look at the United States, the United States is probably one of the leaders, or if not the leader, in worldwide distribution of pornography. So when you see that this woman that sits there is called the great prostitute. What you see is that the uh, United States fits that description very well with the amount of pornography, whether it's adult or child pornography, that is pushed worldwide. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. And, um, and then the last one is business. We see so many different corporations that have come out recently and they are pushing an agenda. So when, when it talks about the seven hills, seven mountains, I'm not saying that Bill Bright was the one who prophesied that. I'm just saying it was very interesting that those are the seven mountains of societal influence that he mentioned. And could it be, I just have questions, could it be that that's what the seven hills are mentioned? So what do you think, GJ? I'm, I'm done with my little tirade now. But man, I was itching to get that out this morning. I was like, this was pouring from me this morning. And I just wanted to tell everybody what my thoughts were. Well, first of all... You covered a lot of ground there, and uh, I was thinking a lot of things that things make you go, hmm. Uh, a couple points that stood out to me, and going back to Dad's Bible, uh, going back to Jeremiah, where you started <laughs> about 45 minutes ago. <laughs> That's good. That's what it feels like. No, it feels like two hours. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, snap. Oh, yeah, like I said to Brian last week, they can hear us. <laughs> they can. <laughs> that was so funny. Uh, back to you. Uh, uh, well, first of all, you covered the number seven on quite a few things there. God uses the number seven very frequently throughout the Bible. 
Oh, or, or variations of seven, like seven times seven and 77. And so, so there's, a, if you read the Bible, there's a lot of uh, ties back to the, the number seven. <clears throat> My dad at the top of Jeremiah uh, chapter three, he writes backsliding mentioned seven times. And I was reading through Jeremiah here and uh, I was counting backsliding, the word backsliding in seven times in chapter three. So those seven hilltops, those seven mountains, those seven influences, <clears throat> we've backslid on every one of them to some degree. And it doesn't matter where you stand on the, on either side of the fence or multiple fences. I think we can all agree there's been some type of backsliding or major change uh, definitely over the last few years. And we see that continue to happen. Uh, so that, that was something that stood up very <clears throat> just jumped out at me the other thing is talking about babylon and the key in key city obviously nyc is a key city last week we talked about it and uh you know i i, I said a few things about nyc that uh you know some people could take as an aspersion against new york city i mean i'm not there was no aspersion personally on it it was you know it has been the hub of so many things and it's been a, a gateway so it's been a gateway from the east, you know, of the United States. And then obviously Seattle has been another one from the west on the United States. And if you look at a lot of things that have happened uh, over the last 200 years, uh, those have been two gateways that have had major things that that were ties to a lot of our history. Um, so those are a couple things that stood out. The other thing is when you talk about the Tower of Babel, um, you know, and if you look at some of the drawings that are, you know, in history of, you know, sort of like a swirl, it, it reminds me of a multi ice cream cone. Yeah. Is, is sort of the way the building was designed. Uh, ironically, <clears throat> there's a company that many of us use on a daily basis to purchase things. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, they're named after a jungle. <clears throat> down in South America, and they actually have a new H headquarter. They're calling it HQ2, and it's going to be in Arlington, Virginia, and it's supposed to be started. They're supposed to make break ground first of next year, 2022. If you look at the rendition, and uh, it, it looks just like the Tower of Babel. So as you were describing that, could that be Arlington, obviously, is washed outside of Washington, D.C. There you have it. So there's the ice cream cone. So it's right outside Washington, D.C., Arlington, Virginia. So I was thinking, I said, could multiple things fall, you know, simultaneously? And if you look at some of the things in the Old Testament where God did some shaking, a lot of times it happened in multiple locations. So I was thinking that could that happen, you know, in in the coming days at some point. <clears throat> so those are those are some of my observations. <clears throat> the other thing that jumped out at me is, and this is a conversation that me and my wife had, and our daughter, she's 16, and you know, she's a teenager, and you know, it's it's hard enough being a teenager <laughs> when everything's good. <clears throat> a lot of changes going on. 
And, uh, you know, but we talked about fear, how these kids are so fearful of so many things. And I'm like, the level of fear across the board, I think, is is heightened regardless of what age you are. And the one thing that jumps out at me is, and this is from the book that I was reading, the Holy Spirit did not did not give us this prophetic insight. So we're talking about for prophetic insights, <clears throat> you know, and signs. And it's really just some things to be aware of. So he did not give this to scare us. Rather, he gave it to, to, to prepare us so we could avoid these detrimental end-time manifest, manifestations and live as victorious believers until Jesus comes again. So we believe Jesus is going to come again. We believe Jesus is going to come again for a lot of this stuff that happens, especially in Revelation, uh, you know, in the tribulation. And um, so there's a seven years after Jesus' return that it, there's the tribulation. Three and, three and a half of that, I look at it as the regrouping. Think about, let's say, a billion people all of a sudden vanish. I don't know what the number will be, but let's just say a billion a billion vanish, you know, all at once, all across the world, there's going to be some chaos that's going to happen just from that. <clears throat> then, usually when Jesus or God does something significant, it may happen like that. But think about earthquakes. Think about all these things that could happen too. say, hey, or the lightning or whatever. I believe there's going to be signs saying, look, I just took the church. I took all my believers and by the way, it started. I just believe there's going to be a big bang um, approach when that happens. Uh, but even if it's silent and simple and just think of all of a sudden all these people are driving cars or flying planes or whatever. I mean, or running machinery and all of a sudden there's nobody there. I mean, I see chaos. So none of this is to scare us. It's to prepare us. And it's to prepare us for eternity. And I know we've talked a lot about eternity over the last few months. And when you start thinking eternally, it changes a lot. I was on a Zoom earlier today, and I talked about how that's my focus now. I'm, I'm focused on, okay, how can I help people have an eternal pr- perspective versus a fear of death, especially over the last you know two years with all the craziness going on. You know, so many people are afraid that they're going to die of, of all these crazy things, and let's say they do, and people are, but people died every day before the last two years. And my question is, how are you going to spend eternity? And it doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter any of that. What matters is, are you willing to give your life to Jesus? Because Jesus will forgive you, and Jesus will make you anew, and Jesus will refocus you so that you can live in purpose. And, and and now my purpose is solely to help people, you know, see Jesus or become closer to Jesus versus trying to scare people with all these different signs or to talk about some of the stuff that's creating divide or the perception of divide. Um, is that, does any of that matter? You know, if you're on one side of the fence and I'm on the other, does any of that matter? It doesn't. What matters is eternal life. How can I help you have eternal life? Even if though we may disagree. Yeah. So that's all I got to say about that.
No, that's good. I, I appreciate that, GJ. I think that. Um, Thank you, Forrest. What's that? Thank you, Forrest. Uh, yeah, I just felt like running. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why'd you stop running, Forrest? I just did. Didn't want to run anymore, so I stopped. Um, so for those of you who have been hanging in there with us with all the technical difficulties, thank you. And I know there would be a bunch of people watching it this week. Um, we've already had over almost 16,000, 17,000 through plays from last week's broadcast. So thank you for all those who hang in there uh, from all the different countries. We love you. And I want you to pass this along to your, to your friends. And even if you just fast forward to this moment where we can lead them in a prayer to accept Jesus into their heart and ask for ask forgiveness and, and accept his forgiveness in their life to be a new creation in Jesus, um, that's fine with us. We just want people to go into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, apparently from a recent study, about 60% of those that call themselves born again Christians don't believe that there's actually a Holy Spirit. Um, another signpost. But we believe in the Holy Spirit because Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and comfort us and teach us and remind us of all the things that he taught. And Jesus was here to do the will of his Father in heaven, who is God. So this is how you can do it. You just have to accept that you are lost without God, lost without Christ in your life, that you need his sacrifice on the cross, and that you acknowledge him as the Son of God. You say, "I please forgive me. Come and live in my heart. And you confess your sins to him. He will live in your heart. You accept his forgiveness, and you are then a new creation in him. And that begins your life of living for him. So let's just say this word of prayer. If you're out there listening, to say this word of prayer with me. You need to say it out loud. Just say it in your heart. God hears it. He knows what your motives, motivations are. So let's just say this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to the cross to die for us and be a sacrifice for our sins. There are so many temptations in this world that will try to pull us away from you and pull us down into a pit that we feel like we can't get out of. But Jesus, you are there and you say, I have provided a way. And you died on the cross for our sins. You rose from the dead and you were victorious over that. And then you went to be with your father, sending us your Holy Spirit. So Lord, come and live in my heart. Forgive me and make me new and help me to have the courage to live out what your scripture says and what your word says. And Lord, I just believe in you. I ask you in my life, make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, you know what? The reason why we had all those difficulties today is because the devil did not want anyone to hear what we had to say about what's going to happen to him. Just saying. Those are strong words. <laughs> we, we can pick it up next week. Yes, we will. Same, same time, time, same channel. Same time, same channel. See you next week, everybody. We love you. God bless you guys. Thank you for tuning in to End Times Chat with GJ and Dan. If you decided to follow Christ, email us at endtimeschat at gmail.com. We would love to hear your story. Tune in next time for more. And don't forget to pray, prepare, protect, proclaim, pray again, persist, persevere, and pass it on. God bless. We'll see you next time.